This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on 980 CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox. Gosh, we look pretty today. Oh, it's just a beautiful fall Saturday afternoon. Uh, Just talking to Andrew during the news break about all of those cruise ship passengers that rolled through town last weekend in the middle of a monsoon and didn't get to appreciate any of this. So this is what Vancouver's really like. A lovely afternoon. In just a few minutes, Carol Miller, supervisor at the Butterball Turkey Talk Line, will join us with all sorts sorts of tips and ideas for making Thanksgiving dinner and you a big hit this year. And we look forward to your calls, too. But first, here are some more of those top consumer stories we're following this week. And Loblaw Companies is recalling certain packages of $10 chicken fries due to possible salmonella contamination that caused four people to become ill. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says consumers should not eat the recalled chicken sold in 1.8 kilogram bags across the country and expiry dated June 22, 2019. The recall was triggered by findings during an agency investigation into a foodborne illness outbreak. The four cases reported in Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec did not require hospitalization or cause death. The CFIA says a food safety investigation being conducted may lead to the recall of other products as well. The agency recommends recalled products should either be thrown out or returned to the store where they were purchased. A government study has found that one in three U.S. adults eat fast food on any given day. That's about 85 million people. It's the first federal study to look at how often adults eat fast food. Lots of studies finding similar proportions of children and adolescents, but this is the first one for grown-ups. It was done by the Centers for Disease Control, and they released the numbers on Wednesday. It's based on a survey of about 10,000 adults over four years. Interestingly, the study did not find a difference between men and women, but did find higher in income families ate fast food more often than lower income families, shattering a few myths there. Health officials used the study release to repeat what we've all known for quite a while now. Too much high calorie fast food can lead to obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and other health problems. It's no secret that pet owners in Vancouver, and I'm one of them, really love our animal companions. And now a new survey from Amazon Canada shows our pets are some of the most pampered in Canada. In its sixth annual ranking of the Canadian cities with the most pampered pets, Vancouver was number three this year. Amazon compiled the list with sales data for pet items purchased on their Canadian website from over a one-year period in cities with more than 100,000 people. Sales data was collected from products for dogs, cats, birds, fish, reptiles, and small animals. The third place ranking keeps Vancouver high on the list of pet-loving cities, but drops it from first place ranking last year. Rounding out the list this year, Calgary in second place. In first place is London, Ontario. So what's your favorite BC apple? 
Mine is Macintosh, and the fresh ones, a new crop is out right now. Great stuff. My faves, along with about 60 other kinds of new and heritage apples, will be celebrated at the 27th annual UBC Apple Festival next Saturday and Sunday at UBC Botanical Garden on Marine Drive. Admission will be 5 bucks, cash only, with kids 12 and under free, along with the children's area and food offerings like, of course, apple pie and other tasty treats. There will be master gardeners to learn from and, of course, all those apples and trees for sale. Last year, over 34,000 pounds of apples were sold. It's a fun, popular event, the UBC Apple Festival, next Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 4, both days at UBC Botanical Garden. Oh, and there was no winner last night in the $60 million Lotto Max draw. There were 40 Max Million draws for a million bucks each, and 14 of those were won. So next Friday, the Lotto Max will remain at roughly $60 million. The Max Million draws will go up to 42. Now, if you're after a huge lottery prize, you might consider popping across the line and picking up either a Powerball or Mega Millions lottery ticket. Next Tuesday's Mega Millions draw will be for $470 million. Oh, and tonight's Powerball, nothing to sneeze at either. That would be $253 million U.S. dollars, of course. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more even later in the show. But we'll take a quick break right now, coming up after which we will open. Andrew, let's open up the phone lines right now. Let's not even pretend it's going to get super busy here for the next hour. Carol Miller is standing by. Ms. Miller is a supervisor at the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. And Carol's all set to join us with tons of cooking tips and to answer your questions. So if you'd like to jump in and reserve a spot, it's 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Turkey Talk. Big stuff coming right up on Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. Welcome back. It is 3.15 in the afternoon sunshine in Vancouver. For more than 30 years, the professionally trained turkey experts that make up the turkey talk line have been answering turkey-related questions each holiday season. Particularly November and December, the 50-plus experts answer more than 100,000 questions for thousands of households across the United States and Canada. And it all began back in 1981 when six home economists worked the phones that holiday season to answer, well, it turned out 11,000 turkey cooking questions. And since then, the turkey talk line has grown in both the number of calls answered and certainly the number of experts on the other end. One of those originals right back to 1981 is still with the turkey talk line. In fact, she took her turn earlier on the line on the desk this morning. Carol Miller is with us now back home in Chicago. Carol, welcome to Vancouver Consumer. It's a delight to be here. You know, it was so funny in those early years. People were not used to toll-free calls. Right. And you'd be helping them with the turkey questions, and they say, are you sure I'm not going to have to pay for this call? Are you sure? I th-? We'd say, yes, I don't think they believed this, but no, they did not have to pay for those, those calls. And now we're taking calls, we're doing emails, we're doing texts, we're chatting, and we're still dishing out great advice. And, of course, you're all over the digital scene now. you got Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, the whole business. You're, you're, you've filled up the spectrum with uh, turkey info, haven't you? 
until they invite a new one. They'll, they'll invent a new one, and I'm sure we'll be there, too. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Now, let's get started here, Carol. We have our phone line open. Now, your number uh, is 1-800-BUTTERBALL, and that, of course, is available across North America, uh, and your desk is in Chicago. And at Canadian Thanksgiving, I would assume most of your calls are from Canadians, correct? They are. I spoke to the most lovely people this morning when I worked. I just think... They listened to my advice. Um, they were very courteous. Um, I had a ball talking to them. It's so, it's so exciting to talk to people that are so excited about preparing a holiday meal for their families. They're, they're a hoot. They really are. Well, let's start with uh, the, the choice of the turkey itself. For example, in our house, we typically, Carol, will buy the turkey in advance, frozen, and keep it frozen for uh, as long as it takes, and then pull it out roughly 24 hours before cooking time. Uh, is, is that a fairly standard? Do more people buy frozen than fresh, do you find? You know, yeah, you know, I think the ratio is about 7 out of 10 people buy frozen turkeys. Most of them just don't, um, they're not thawing a 20-pound uh, object out every, you know, week. Right. So they don't allow enough time. So I always tell people to buy the turkey early so that you can slowly and easily um, let the turkey do the job. You pop it into the refrigerator where it will slowly thaw. It does take, now listen to this, it takes a lot longer than you realize. It does take one day for every four pounds of turkey. And a little hint is Thanksgiving Day or the day that you're going to roast your turkey is a roasting day. It's not a thawing day, so right. don't count that. So, um, But then everything is not lost. If you haven't allowed enough time, you can speed things up by do, doing cold water thawing. Uh, okay. And that is filling your sink up with water takes uh, half an hour for every pound of turkey. Okay. So it's hours rather than days. Right, but it is. I, I think the best piece of device there is on the actual turkey day uh, everything that everything should be thawed by then everything should be ready to go and because uh, that's a cooking day not a thawing it day is. It, is, it is it makes things a lot easier when you're ready to get it for the oven you're not yanking out the neck and the giblets yeah and and you know all those things and also when you're cooking it you're not going to have any uneven cold spots so that some part of the turkey could be a little bit undercooked because it's not completely not thawed completely out. thawed. Right now, we we did open our phone line here at the Vancouver end. You're, you've Great. got a, you've got a desk full of people down there at one eight hundred Butterball. Andrew and I are, are manning the phones here this afternoon, uh, and uh, we're ready for for anyone who wants to join us. And Margaret uh, is on the line right now at six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight. Hi, Margaret. Hi, thank you so much. I'm just cutting up my onions and stuff, and I couldn't believe that you're talking about this. What I wanted to do, dear, is I'm doing my stuffing, and I have mashed potatoes, celery, and onions, and my sausage meat. Can I mix all that tonight and cook it tomorrow? Because my sister said you can't mix onions with, or excuse me, sausage meat and, and onions together. You know, so as, long I as, know. Yeah, as long as you have thoroughly cooked both of them, that would be okay. Put it in a shallow pan and let it cool before you put the lid on it, and it'll be all ready for you tomorrow morning. 
one thing that you don't want to do is you don't want to stuff the turkey the night before with your stuffing recipe. Oh, no, no. But, but okay, what I'm going to do is just mix it raw and put it in the bag, that little mesh bag, and put it in a plastic container, and then tomorrow I'll pull it out and put it in my turkey. Is that okay? That's okay. Just make sure that that you get it chilled when you put it into the refrigerator now, that it gets thoroughly chilled. Really cold. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I have been wandering so long because I did it, and then she said, you can't, and I thought, I better make sure. I don't want anyone sick, and thanks to Andrew, he put me on, and so I can, I can mix it all now, put it in the fridge, and then in the morning, put it in the turkey, and it's, right. not, cooked. it's not cooked now. Yeah. It's all raw. Yes. Yeah. And what you want to remember is before the turkey comes out of the oven, before it can be considered done, that the center of that turkey with your meat thermometer registers 165 degrees. Even if the turkey is done, it's, you know, if the stuffing's not up to that temperature, then it has to, you know, leave it in the oven a little bit longer. So make sure you've got your working meat thermometer. It'll be ready for you tomorrow, and you won't have to worry about a thing. Oh, you are an angel. All right, Thank there you, you go, Margaret. So much. And I know you can tell your sister what for, too, right? I am. She's driven me nuts and she's making me ill all the time. And I hear I have to make it in the morning, get up at 7 to mix it, and I can do it now. There you go. Sisters Thank are like you, that, dear. aren't they? Margaret, what time's dinner tomorrow? Um, About 5 o'clock, and just be here, and I got everything for you guys. Excellent. Thank, well, you have, a, have a wonderful dinner. Happy Thank, Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. 604-280-9898. That's what we're going to do for the next few minutes here well for mostly the balance of this hour and we're talking turkey with carol miller from the butterball turkey talk line and basically passing along all the tips and the hints now you've been at this since 1981 carol miller so going back now let's draw on your depth of experience from all of those years well over 30 years now what is the most frequently asked question that comes up 90 percent of the time you know, we you would think it would be about cooking, how to cook it or, or whatever, but thawing really is the thing that stumps people the most. Interesting. Um, yeah, so we kind of went over that. So if you've got a handle on that, really makes things. Um, after that, I think um, in the, the big question of the day of the feast is, is my turkey done? Right. Um, people are looking at the turkey and looking at the color, but they may have cooked it in a covered roasting pan. They may not have taken the lid off, and it really doesn't brown. And so they'll just keep cooking the turkey because they associate brownness or, you know, browning with doneness. Sure. And you know, they're making soup out of their turkey. So really, you know, we are always preaching, and I really think in the years that I've done this that more and more people are using meat thermometer, especially doing poultry on a regular basis, which we home economists and dietitians were like, yay, you know, because it really makes a difference. You know that it's done when you get to perfect temperatures. Right, and it just completely eliminates any health risks or issues now, doesn't it? True, true. We had one woman who called one Thanksgiving day. She actually had four thermometers in her one turkey. She was covering all of the bases. You don't have to go that far. (laughs) (laughs) That's almost overcooking in itself, isn't it? It is. It is. It is a little over prep, but you know, better than under prep. Okay. So now we touched a little bit on the whole business of thawing the turkey. For the 30% of us who are going to cook a fresh turkey this Thanksgiving weekend, any 
tricks or tips with regards to uh, a turkey which does not need to be thawed, Carol? You know what? It's it's important to keep it refrigerated at 40 degrees or colder. You want to keep it in the coldest part of your refrigerator once you bring it home from the market. Um, the turkey should have a use-by date on, mm-hmm. which at this time of year, it normally goes right through this holiday. So, you know, you know watch that. If something happens and you can't cook it when you expect it, to cook it, you know, check that date so that you don't, you know, spoil the turkey or whatever, but keep it really nice and cold. You cook it just you as you would a thawed turkey. So um, it's for a lot of people, it's great. You just can bring it home from the store and pop it into the oven. Back to thawing for just a second, because you talked about the neck and giblets, the stuff in the little package in the middle right. of the turkey. Uh, uh, if you're using an ice pick to remove the giblets before <laughs> before putting the turkey in the oven, chances are it's not quite thawed yet, right, Carol? No, I call, <laughs> I call them the treasure bag, that little treasure bag that's in the turkey. And on Thanksgiving Day, we do get... One year, I counted it. We got uh, out of the thousands of calls. We keep track of, you know, what they're calling us about. Right. There were 20 people that thought they had ruined Thanksgiving because they had left that bag in. We make them happy because it only embarrasses the cook. It does not hurt the turkey. Okay. Those are, those are designed to go through the cooking process. It's a little oops factor. I mean, I think everybody knows someone over the years that has That's done that, just so. forgotten and left the darn yeah. thing in the tree. Well, no harm, yeah. no foul, no pun. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, but as as far as the giblets and that sort of, people typically will will put them in a pot on the stove and put mm-hmm. them on a slow boil, and that's the liquid that they will use to baste the tur- turkey as it's cooking. Is that uh, the best solution for that? Yeah, that is. Those most of those organ meats they need um, a, a simmering to tenderize them. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the liver, the liver you can put in at the last the last bit. So that's what you do. You just simmer them and soften them up. Um, it's interesting that people, some people are very avid, and, and the giblets are, you know, next to God. They have to have them, and some people just sneak them right into the garbage. Yep, yep. So, yep. <laughs> you know, it's it's what you have. Thanksgiving and big holidays that you share with people and your family and friends, so much of it is tradition. So, you know, do you stuff the bird? Do you use the giblets? Uh, you know, your particular method of the way Grandma cook it, it's tradition. Absolutely, and there's a lot of tradition involved uh, in in the whole process of cooking a turkey. And part of it, of course, is the occasion and the fact that so many people are going to be gathered around the table to eat it. Carol, give me a give me a couple of minutes here. We're going to catch up on the news of the world, and then we're coming sure. right back with more calls from Vancouverites. Carol Miller from the Butterball Turkey Talk Line is with us, and our number is six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight. Got some questions about the bird this weekend? This is the place to be, and. We're back with your calls and Carol Miller after the news. Welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox with you on this gorgeous Saturday afternoon. A beautiful fall day on the west coast of Canada. It is 335. Carol Miller is with us from Chicago and the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. Carol is one of the supervisors now and has been with this thing since it started up in the early 80s. And she's with us this afternoon to take your questions about getting it right, getting it done properly for Thanksgiving turkey dinner. Uh, Carol, welcome back. Uh, Lori is on the line right now. Lori has a chat. 
chest infection and she can't speak very clearly. So she passed along a message through Andrew for you. Her question is, Lori has, she's all set to go. She's got an average size 15 pound frozen stuffed Butterball turkey. So walk Lori through this. First of all, on the thawing, because it never hurts to repeat that information. And secondly, how much time per pound should she expect to take cooking that stuffed butterball? Wow, I'm glad Lori called. She has a frozen stuffed butterball. And we're not going to thaw it because it's a convenience item. You take that turkey out of the freezer. Put it in your pan. I mean, you got to take the wrapper out. There's a few things you do that before that. Of course. It goes right in the oven at 325, and you cook it from the frozen state. Really? It's, yeah, it's great. It's, they've been around for years, and they're very, very, very popular. Um, it, her turkey will come with a chart because I don't. She said, "How much? What? How? What was the weight?" I'm about sorry. fifteen pounds. About 15 pounds. Yeah. Okay. It's going to take about six hours. Okay. Um, to, to thaw it, or not to thaw it, to cook it at 325. Um, it's important, just like I said before, to have a meat thermometer because you want to make sure that that's stuffing, which, of course, in the frozen turkey will be the last thing that is uh, cooked because it's way tucked into the inner, inner of the turkey. Gets up to 165 on our meat thermometer. They're great. We get raves about those turkeys all the time. Um, so someone that, you know, is pinched for time, um, they don't, they just don't want to go through the process of thawing and stuffing or whatever. Sure. It's a great, it's a great product. Interesting stuff. So there you go, Lori. And the bonus for you is that you don't have to thaw the darn thing. You just put it in the, take the wrapper off and all yeah, the other the pre- right. the prep stuff, <laughs> but just pop it into the pan and into the oven. She goes for about six hours for a 15 pounder, correct? That's correct. Now, where do you put the meat thermometer? Uh, it, it, this is a stuffed turkey. This is this comes as a package. So you've got that. You're shooting for 165 degrees on the meat thermometer for doneness. Right. Where right. because you've got the stuffing and whatnot, and that's likely to be the last that is in, entirely cooked. Where do you put the meat thermometer to check? Well, since it goes in frozen, you can't put the thermometer anywhere until it gets a little to the point where Excellent it's Excellent point. Yes, in. yes, of course. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd maybe have to have a hammer to put it in there. Don't <laughs> do right, that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if it's going to stay in the oven once you're able to position that, and I would position it right into the center of the stuffing, um, you, you can um, monitor that, but you want to put a oven safe meat thermometer. Sometimes people get confused. Usually the oven safe meat thermometers have a bigger dial than the instant read one. Okay. If, yeah, if you put the instant read into that stuffing and then have it in the oven, yeah, it'll melt. And yes. that's not good. We don't want that to happen to Lori. We do not. So, no, but she could slide it out of the oven, quickly put an instant read in there, monitor the temperature, and she'll know exactly when it comes out of the oven. Interesting. So uh, in our case, uh, the stuffing is is a huge, and you were talking about tradition and family favorites. Right. In our house, um, my Carol uses uh, her mom's recipe, which is, oh, you yes. know, and there's uh, some potatoes and the usual onions and bread and all the rest of it. And our kids like it so much, they always request 
extra. So you stuff the turkey, and then there's a, an, another side tray of it that also goes in and gets baked. That's just how popular it is, and, and that's all you can do. If, you, if you're going to make extra, you just got to put it in an extra container, right? If you have to make extra turkey, we always say to get a pound of turkey per person. That's a generous, you know, a serving for a family event. But a pound and a half will give you those leftovers so that you've got something turkey to go with that extra stuffing and you can enjoy it the next day. So um, turkey's easy to make. Um, you cook it once and you can feast on it for quite a while. Yeah. Few days. So um, you've got to have enough t- um, turkey to go with that extra stuffing in your pan. All right, so 604-280-9898 if you have any questions for Carol Miller, 604-280-9898. We were talking about basting a few minutes ago, and then as I trolled through the website during the news, uh, you, 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 you've got a piece on how to, well, you know, how to choose, how to thaw. Oh, by the way, the friends, the, the website is butterball.com, and it's a terrific website. It's, it's lots of wonderful information, but you also talk about how to inject a turkey rather than basting it with with some kind of ladle or brush. What's the difference, and which which approach is more popular? Well, a lot of turkeys that are on the market now, frozen turkeys and even some of the fresh turkeys, they are already deep-basted. They yes. kind of do that for you. But a lot of people like to inject a little extra flavor, and you would do that with an injection needle. Needle. Sometimes people really want to ram it up with a Cajun flavor or right, what, sure. you know, whatever is, you know, floats your boat and you like. I like it just the way it comes, but, you know, everybody has different uh, techniques or whatever. Um, so you, you can do that. that that's fine. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's really to your own taste. Okay. So, uh, and uh, another method that I, I frankly have never tried, and, and my son who is a chef says, really, you're missing something big time here, and that's a deep-fried turkey. I know it's becoming more and more popular all the time. Uh, have you noticed that over the years, too, at the, that the hotline, that this method is uh, starting to really catch on? Oh, my gosh, yes. When I first started, anytime someone would call about deep frying, we would send them to a newspaper in New Orleans where they were doing deep frying. Now, I mean, I cannot work for an hour without taking, you know, a couple of calls about deep frying. Um, if you're but I am, I am a real stickler. I make sure whoever is deep-frying their turkey in the backyard, they, they have to raise their hand and promise that they will follow all the safety rules. It's a great turkey, but you, you have to stand by your deep-fryer. You have to read those directions. You have to completely thaw that turkey before you put it in that hot vat of oil. Right. But they're great. They are yummy. And do they, do they cook up faster, by the way, Carol? Do, do these oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. My favorite way um, is to do a turkey is is on the charcoal grill in the backyard. And uh, I can do that at the 4th of July, and everybody says, hey, what's out there? It's not steak. Carol's cooking her turkey out there. So there's so many great ways to make a turkey. And we always encourage people to be roasting turkeys, not just in the holiday time, but all year long. Sure. Uh, now, brining is another technique or approach right. to turkey that is, again, fairly recent in terms of popularity. What's that all about, Carol? Well, you know, again, brining is to add extra 
flavor into the muscle of the turkey. Uh, usually a brine is made with water and some salt. Right. And people, people will add other flavor, flavorings. They might add some citrus flavoring. They may add some herbs, lots of different recipes. And there are some brining recipes on, on the website that uh, we can share, we have shared with you. Um, and, but it, it does add, add an extra step, you know, and it, you, you need to follow the directions and the brining turkey goes into the refrigerator to keep it safe and things like that. So, again, you know, um, there are so many ways to jazz up your turkey and make it special and make it your own. You know, you can put a rub on it or uh, a glaze on it at the end of the roasting time. And all those recipes are available uh, by just going to butterball.com. Canada has a wonderful uh, website also, butterball.ca. That's a great place to get information, too. All right, excellent. Now, back to the basting versus injecting. Now, you talked about this being pretty much the personal favorite of whoever's cooking. But the the basting process, it simply is just uh, uh, every, how frequently is what I'm, and I'm getting to here, every yeah. every half hour or so right, uh, right. to just give it a little, uh, uh, roll some of the uh, the, the uh, liquid from the, 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 the the giblets and so on. You get a ladle and, and pour a little over the over the bird. That's one way of doing it. Uh, how frequently? Well, basting is one of those things. Again, you you don't have to do it. It's kind of a tradition. Yep. And you you kind of did describe what happens as you take those juices and put it on the turkey. You'll watch them just fall back in the pan. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to baste the turkey, and it's a tradition, and it does, does add a little coloring and things to the skin, I wouldn't do it more than three or four times during the cooking process. One of the reasons is is that you're opening the oven door, and you're bringing the turkey out, and you're basting it, and all the heat is in the kitchen rather than the oven. So it may... Um, lengthen your cook time of your turkey. And if your guests are ready at the dining table, you know, you want to get it on the table for them. So if it's a family tradition, I talked to a woman once that they said everybody in their family was allowed to baste the turkey if they walked by the oven. Okay. I I have a feeling that their meals were always late. Oh, okay. But again, everybody was involved, and you talk they about cre- creating a sense of they anticipation, were. They right? Were. Right. A tradition is important in, in holidays and family meals. So uh, you talked earlier, I'm, I'm trying to determine, about, we're talking about size. Now, Lori, for example, has a 15-pounder for her Thanksgiving dinner. And you talked about for every person sitting at the table, you should have a, at least a pound uh, of turkey. But And you say, you suggest... How about a pound and a half for every person at the meal? That's going to create a very generous portion for everybody at dinner, plus the all-important leftovers. That's so right. And there are some families where their tradition is that every guest, as they go out of the house, will have a foil packet of turkey and a little bit of dressing so that they share the meal completely. That's right. That happens at our house every time we have a turkey. They all go home with a very generous portion. Yep. Otherwise, you don't have turkey the next day. That's very sad. So I think it's very generous if you buy a nice big turkey and share it with everyone. Save some leftovers for you because there's nothing better than that turkey sandwich or a turkey soup or a turkey casserole. Or my favorite is uh, shredding the turkey and adding my favorite barbecue sauce and having like 
instead of pulled pork. Oh, pulled, pulled turkey. turkey. How about that? Mm, one, of the, one of the concerns, Carol, I don't have all the time in the world left, but this is important. One of the concerns people have, and you talked about it earlier, is, is overcooking the turkey. So what are the tips to prevent a dry, overcooked turkey? Well, you know, our, our favorite method of cooking the turkey is just roasting it in the oven at 325. And turkey comes to our fridge in our oven with two types of meat. There's the white meat, and then there's the dark meat. Yep. And we have developed in our kitchen over the past 60-some years that Butterball itself has been around is protecting the white meat so that it doesn't get dry, while the dark meat gets um, a little more tenderization. It takes some of the bounciness out of that dark meat. Right. And you simply do it by taking a piece of small um, aluminum foil. It doesn't have to be any bigger than a piece of uh, computer paper, folding it in half and tenting it over the breast meat, the white meat. What that does is it reflects some of the heat, and so it slows down the cooking there, but lets those thighs get up to temperature. And that way, um, with your meat thermometer again, you know, stopping your cookie when the thigh is at 180 and that breast is 165. It's perfect. Even, even the people who like dark meat because it's more moist will take a slice of the white. Oh, sure they will. Now, typically, <laughs> uh, a rule of thumb, uh, how many minutes per pound on average? You know what? There's not really a, a, a minutes per pound. And the reason for that is that a small turkey will take more minutes per pound than a very 25-pound turkey because it's the science of the fact that once it starts um, raising the temperature and getting in, it goes faster. So we have a range of time. There's a roasting chart which gives you a range. And there is a range because, you know, there's variables in people's Okay. All right, so one person's fridge may be not quite as cold. One person's oven may not be quite. So like a, a 10 to 18-pound uh, turkey would cook unstuffed in about three to three and a half hours. And that's okay. the range. Gotcha. And, mo- and, and that chart we can find at butterball.ca. Oh, it can. Yeah, you Excellent. Can. Carol, can. I'm, I'm afraid I'm fresh out of time. I thank our listeners for the calls, fun calls this afternoon, and I thank you for your time. You already did your time on the desk this morning at the Butterball <laughs> Talk Line, and here you are carrying on again later on your own time later in the day. Very much appreciated. Good to speak to you. We won't be around next month uh, to have a chance to say it, so I'll say it early. Happy Thanksgiving to you well, well thank in advance. You. Thank you. And, you know, we will be there in November and December for our northern neighbors. So give us a call then after your Thanksgiving. We'll, we will be glad to, to talk to uh, and share our turkey information from our turkey experts. Terrific. Thank you, Carol. You're very welcome. And that number, by the way, again, is 1-800-BUTTERBALL, in case you missed it. The website is butterball.ca, and that's Carol Miller, supervisor at the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. That was fun. We'll take a quick break here. And once again, our thanks to Carol Miller at the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. We hope Carol was able to provide you with a little better understanding of the task of cooking it, the Thanksgiving turkey. Some of us are having the big dinner tonight or tomorrow, as Lori is, instead of Monday due to family scheduling. And we wish you much good luck as you take your turn doing up the big dinner. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, says there's a warning out there for frequent flyers. 
Thanks, Sterling. A BC woman is warning consumers to stay on top of their air miles after almost losing over 21,000 points because her account went dormant. Back in July, the Grand Forks resident says she discovered she had lost all her air miles, valued at over $2,100. I knew that it had been inactive, but I was under the impression that air miles didn't expire. In a statement to Global News, Air Miles said, After a period of 24 consecutive months of account inactivity, which means the collector does not get or use miles, an Air Miles account becomes dormant and the miles are removed from the account. Global News decided to reach out again on behalf of her, asking if Air Miles would reinstate all of Anderson's miles. Global News received the following statement. After speaking with the collector multiple times and learning of her extenuating circumstances, Air Miles has provided the collector with 21,069 miles as a gesture of goodwill. Patrick Sushka of RewardsCanada.ca says when it comes to reward programs, it's important to look at the expiry and inactivity rules. Any loyalty program points or miles, as you call them, can be worth it. Um, as long as you kind of research and educate yourself on a program and, and make sure you're earning them and using them. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. That was a good one. Thanks, Ben. For only the second time in provincial history, B.C. has recorded a monthly drop in unemployment of 1.1%. By the kind of numbers economists work with, that is a big drop. Around 33,000 net new jobs were added to our economy in September, and analysts say it's been a long time since our province has seen this many new jobs in a month, and that was in the late 1970s. At a jobless rate of 4.2%, B.C. has the lowest in the country. Nationally, the economy added 63,000 net new jobs in September, mainly due to an increase of 80,000 part-time jobs. That sent the national unemployment rate down slightly to 5.9%. These robust new low unemployment numbers fly in the face of many sectors in the economy, like construction and many others, where employers simply cannot find enough workers. Still, this is good news for those who are actively looking and people who are hiring right now. Oh, and the old Nelson Place Hotel, which has been Doolin's Irish pub since 2001, is closing at the end of this month. So it and the other businesses on that Granville and Nelson corner, including the Comfort Inn, can be transformed into a boutique hotel. They're showing the McGregor fight there tonight, and you just know this year's Halloween parties over the next couple of weeks at Doolin's are going to be legendary. All part of what developers Pacific Reach say will continue the renaissance of Granville Street. Not a lot of talk about the Granville Strip this election, either beyond an overdue commitment to increased nightclub security. That is our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Alan Regan and Andrew Ferreira at the controls. Thanks to both our guests and to you for being with us. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, uh, sterling at cknw.com is the email address, or tweet us at Van Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. And from all of us on the show team, a very happy Thanksgiving to you. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.